Hey everybody and welcome to Today in Space. I am your host Alex G. Orfanos. I'm an aerospace engineer, uh, newly created 3D printing engineer, and this is my show about space. So we cover a lot of different things uh, from whatever's happening today in actual Space industry news from NASA to the United Launch Alliance, SpaceX, Boeing, all new space. We cover the historic uh, significance of old space, going to the moon, all those things. And we also try and bring in some different, I don't want to call them philosophical, but different topics to help stretch your mind and and, and think about new things and, and go to new places with your mind that you haven't been before. And uh, what we're trying to do here is make science fun and, more importantly, space available. You know, everything that is space from black holes to are we going to go to Mars to uh, what is it like if you take a shit in space. We're going to cover all of that stuff. So if you guys have anything you want to cover, email me at ag. No, that's (laughs) that's wait. That's the next one Uh, at today in space podcast at gmail dot com. And uh, I would love to get what you guys are interested in, in covering. Uh, we're going to change up, uh, starting the new year, we're going to change up how we're doing things a little bit. We're going to tighten things up. They're going to be shorter episodes, more compact. Um, so that way there's just it's not a big drain to try and listen to 50 minutes to an hour and a half of basically a college-level course of information. I mean, it's, you know... Uh, it's my everyday life, but not everyone can really focus for more than 35 minutes on something as crazy and fucked up as our existence in the universe. So uh, we're going to be uh, flip-flopping uh, every week uh, something different, uh, but we'll find out more about that next week when we talk about it. This week, what I wanted to do is check in how, you, how you're doing. I know last week we left uh, for the Christmas episode. Uh, so Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah to those who are still celebrating, and I hope uh, I hope you're having a great week. I hope the holiday craziness isn't uh, isn't too much, <laughs> and uh, you're getting through. Uh, believe me, uh, especially if you've been following along this week, you know it's it hasn't been the easiest week for a lot of people for many different reasons. Uh, one thing we want to talk about this week is obviously the passing of. Carrie Fisher, uh, the incredible woman who portrayed Princess Leia in Star Wars. And it's more than just a, uh, you know, she, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to, you know, say, you know, their two cents on, on Carrie Fisher. And I didn't know Carrie Fisher, but she influenced my life tremendously. I, I mean, Star Wars is one of the movies that I can definitely say brought me into my nerddom. Uh, and Princess Leia is definitely a childhood crush. I'm not going to lie. I think the Princess Leia character, for me, kind of... I liked girls who were pushy and girls who... Uh, obviously, that's not the biggest thing that I'm talking about, Princess Leia. <laughs> well, I, I, girls who are 
who can stand up for themselves, who can fight for themselves, who are strong, who uh, can fight back. Um, that's everything that, uh, you know, I got as a, as a young boy, because I was listening to another podcast, another show, uh, Steel Wars, uh, by a uh, comedian in Britain, if I'm not mistaken. He started, we started following each other on Twitter, and you definitely got to check out his, if you're a real serious Star Wars fan, uh, my podcast will not do it justice. So if you are a serious, serious Star Wars fan, uh, may I recommend to you, to you go visit my uh, internet friend, uh, the Steel Wars podcast. They did a Steel Wars live call-in show about Carrie Fisher. And uh, he's, oh, um, I apologize. He's Australian. See, I'm an asshole. Uh, he's Australian, uh, an Australian comedian uh, from Melbourne. So go check out his podcast and that episode for a uh, what I thought was a pretty good uh, dive into you know what Carrie Fisher did with the Princess Leia character and what it meant to him and a, a bunch of different callers. It, pretty interesting. So for me, uh, definitely Princess Leia. I mean, there's I don't think every every single actor or actress that portrays a character puts their own little spin on it. And the spin that Carrie Fisher put on Princess Leia can't be redone. It is original. It is, there is no Princess Leia without Carrie Fisher, uh, which is not something you could say about every single character that's been portrayed. Uh, you know, that character is really important, and I think it has more Carrie Fisher, from what I've read about her, than you know, most people might realize, uh, you know, Carrie Fisher, from what I can tell the human being, Carrie Fisher, she was, uh, I mean, think of it, she was 19 when she started filming the first Star Wars and, you know, she was an actress, her mom's Debbie Reynolds and a total extrovert, definitely, uh, had the strength enough to go out and do whatever she wants. 19, you know, in, in a modeling, not modeling, acting. Uh, I mean, that's an incredible, uh, that's, that takes some courage to, to do that at 19, uh, or craziness. So I, I think both, uh, go along with it. Um, and I, by no means I'm calling her crazy. I mean it in, in a, uh, I, I, I consider myself crazy. I mean, I wouldn't have a podcast, I don't think, if I wasn't. So it's more of a mutual admiration kind of thing. I, I kind of get uh, a little bit where that's coming from. But uh, Carrie Fisher, as uh, a person, you know, uh, went through a lot, a lot of turmoil in her life from, from what I can tell. And uh, between the drug abuse and, uh, you know, she was a proponent for not only uh, drug issues, but mental health problems and things like that. So Carrie Fisher uh, was an incredible human being, uh, a one-of-a-kind human being, definitely someone who was unapologetically themselves through all their greatness and all their faults. Uh, another person that impacted my life, but again, I didn't know, Robin Williams, I felt, was the same way. You know, Robin Williams was someone who was himself no matter what. And... 
I just don't think a lot of people are like that. Um, so it's, it's definitely a loss to, to lose a person like that, especially at 60. You know, she had complications after a heart attack and, uh, passed away a few days, a few days, if not the next day later. And, uh, it's definitely, uh, a sad, sad time, but more importantly, you gotta, she lived life. I mean, that's, Carrie Fisher lived life. I mean, not only that, impacted how many people with the character of Princess Leia. Never mind her her other parts in other movies, but it's definitely arguable that Princess Leia as a character would not exist. And in this universe that we live in, without Princess Leia would just be not the same thing. We we would not be here. Um, And, I mean, obviously I'm I'm a man, I'm a male, human male so i don't understand uh and i could never understand what carrie fisher's princess leia means to women or girls around the world uh but uh, i know for me it was i really liked that princess leia didn't sit around and wait for things to get done she was you know she was a rebel she was about the cause, and she did whatever she had to do um, to get it done. Um, but she was also, you know, especially in the second movie, when her and Han Solo finally, you know, start, you know, she finally uh, pulls down the guard and actually starts to to love him. And then when she says, you know, I love you, and he goes, I know. Like, that moment, <laughs> That that is a iconic moment man i mean and from what i've heard from the history of it from the lore uh is that george lucas didn't want that in there he he didn't want that scene to be in there it was supposed to be you know a, a precious moment i love you i love you you know but harrison ford and carrie fisher wanted it portrayed that way you know it wasn't just harrison ford both of them they both wanted to make it portrayed you know, and I think that was a touch of Carrie Fisher that that oh, what am I looking for? That exposed thing, you know, someone who's so hard on the outside, but you know, is insecure too. And then when she finally, you know, and then of course she falls for the guy that once she finally breaks down and says, I love you. <laughs> He says, "I know." So, uh, I, I thought, I thought that made that made Han Solo and Princess Leia those characters so much more original and so much more powerful than they would have originally been. You know, when they were first written, and both those actors put that spin on it. And yeah, it's it's definitely been a rough 2016. I mean, we also lost George Michael uh, earlier, and uh, never mind all the other people we've lost in 2016, but. It is just a year. There is no phenomenon going on. Uh, these things happen, uh, but we will have a new year coming up, you know, with new opportunities, new great things. One of the things I'm really excited for is what the space industry is going to do. You know, NASA, uh, the ULA, SpaceX. What are all these companies going to do and agencies, never mind the European Space Agency, you know, the Russian Space Agency, Japan Space Agency, all of them, what are they going to do to commemorate 
Princess Leia, uh, Carrie Fisher's portrayal of Princess Leia. You know, what are they going to do? Are they going to name something, you know, the Organa, you know, something, something like that. I would think the last name, you know, Princess Organa, uh, Leia Organa. I think that last name works pretty well. Uh, Leia's pretty good, uh, but yeah, I think maybe like a first stage rocket, Organa, you know, the Organa 5 is lifted off from Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. You know, and I'm I'm basing this off of uh, historically what's been done, you know, in the last year when uh, Leonard Nimoy passed away, they actually did, uh, the United Launch Alliance actually did a vote online for what they would name their new rocket system. And, of course, the new system was named Vulcan. So, uh, again, not like a direct naming of the person, but definitely an honoring. I mean, obviously, anyone who sees Vulcan, who's any kind of space nerd, is going to know, oh, okay, that's for Spock, you know, and inadvertently for Leonard Nimoy. So it'll be interesting to see what we do to honor Carrie Fisher in the space industry. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But uh, lots to look forward to in 2017. And even though there was a definite disturbance in the force, we will continue and uh, keep honoring what Carrie Fisher left behind, right? I mean, Carrie Fisher touched more lives than I think any of us can really think of uh, with with what she did with her acting. So never mind her campaigning later in life for the different causes she cared about. So uh, a one-of-a-kind good human being, Carrie Fisher, Godspeed. We love you. Lastly for this week, what I want to touch on was because it was Christmas, uh, there's a special, special date in space history that uh, you should definitely be aware of if, if you aren't already. December 24th, Christmas Eve of 1968, which was the day that on uh, the Apollo 8 mission, when the famous Earthrise photo was taken. Uh, Now, Apollo 8 was uh, the first mission to the moon, but it wasn't obviously the one that landed on the moon. Uh, The crew on board, uh, all they did was orbit the moon. And uh, actually, uh, given the history of it, uh, the lunar module in 1968 had fallen behind schedule. And the people at NASA decided to just, uh, to make sure that the timeline of the, the Apollo program kept up and we kept working on things, they decided to just send the command and service modules with the astronauts on board and orbit the moon, test all those systems that were on board, make sure that everything with the command and service modules work, get them back, bring them back to Earth, and that way at least there's still progress happening. You know, no, is it not the perfect thing they wanted to do? No, but they managed to still get it to happen. And uh, it's obviously going to take a little bit of clout because obviously they, they had no lunar module they didn't land on the moon, so it definitely pales in comparison to Apollo 11, but uh, it's still a, a very, very important mission, and that Earthrise image is uh, was also part of some some 
lore for a long time because uh, for whatever reason, there was no record of who actually took that picture. And uh, a uh, someone who works uh, for NASA's LRO, Bill, uh, sorry, Ernie Wright, uh, found out that it was Bill Anders uh, who was the lunar module pilot. Uh, there was also Frank Borman, who was the commander, and Jim Lovell, who was the command module pilot, who if, if anyone's watched Paul 13, you're aware of who Jim Lovell is, Tom Hanks' character. And it's really fascinating to think about what might have been going through the minds of those guys before they were launching on the moon. They were the second manned mission in the Apollo program. And, uh, you know, the breed of the NASA astronauts that were chosen at the time, they were all pilots, test pilots, uh, you know, uh, decorated pilots who were willing to test the limits of what we were able to do. So it was, you know, live fast. You know, they all had fast cars. Uh, they, they rode, they flied the fastest things on the planet. I mean, these, these, these people were upper echelon of human, you know, abilities that, you know, they were the ones that were going out and they were the first ones to see the earth, you know, next, you know, that looks like the moon compared when they're orbiting the moon. And I can't even imagine what that must have been like just, just to have that reality be in front of you and it just opens up your mind to all the possibilities. And I mean, it's no wonder that Jim Lovell, after seeing, you know, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, you know, walk on the moon, like... That you were so close, like it, it, when you really put it into perspective, it's it's totally understandable why Jim Lovell wanted to go back for Apollo thirteen. Uh, he was so close; he was closer than anybody else. And then Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked on the moon. Like it, it, it's the one great thing I think about the <laughs> about human beings is that we're definitely adaptable and in in many many different ways and i think it's uh you know your taste for adventure or however you might want to call it it can can be adjusted you know you're you're you will adapt you know as long as it's not too earth shattering that's a bad pun but uh as long as it's not you know too much like you will adapt to that reality, you know, it's like, oh, we're, we just orbited the moon. We could totally land on it. And then, oh, I really want to land on the fucking moon. Like the, 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 that's why I'm a big proponent of making sure that everyone has the ability to do what they want and to go for whatever they want, because you might, that person might show somebody else something that's possible that they didn't think was possible before. And that's why it's important to do brand new things. You know, you you open up yourself to what is possible. And almost certainly it was impossible to you before. So I, I, I get really fascinated by moments like that. And, you know, they probably weren't even really conscious of it. Uh, I would love to, to, to talk to anyone who's, who's been in that kind of position 
to, to have seen the earth from that perspective? Was there a moment that you sat there and you really took it in? And what was it? What was going through your mind at that point? And I would really like to experience that for myself at some point. But in the meantime, we'll have to find someone to talk to about that. But Apollo 8 and the Earthrise image are, are pretty historic. And, and the next thing that ties into it, because, you know, the Apollo program is is arguably one of the most famous programs in all of space history in the little over 50 years that we've been doing it. And for, for many different reasons, uh, and Apollo 11, without a doubt, has been the most because it is the moment that human beings first stepped foot on another celestial celestial being you know we we stepped foot on solid ground that was not the earth a huge huge defining moment in humankind that really is probably the most momentum filled event that it is the event with the most momentum that pushed us away from the Cold War. You know, it was that the end of the space race and the beginning of us looking at ourselves as beings on a planet as opposed to humans, you know, striving to, I don't know, take land for themselves or not, not that that hasn't gone away. Not that it hasn't gone away. But the idea of us all being one or all of us living on one planet, I guess is really what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, we're not the collective like the Borg yet, uh, but I hope that never happens. We, but, you know, the the whole, that is a, the, a, a reality-changing moment in human history that we landed on the moon. There are plenty of people who still deny it, but it at the very least, captured the imagination of entire generations of that time. You know, I still talk to people who were, you know, uh, young, you know, teenagers at the time. They were children, and they remember when we landed on the moon and and what life was like. It's kind of like when the first iPhone came out. Like, I know that's obviously pales in comparison to the achievement, but... We know in my generation, we, you know, anyone who's uh, what, under, well, I'm not going to put an age on it, but uh, for the younger generations, you know, that's something we can look to that's like, oh, okay, yeah, what was like life like after that event? Landing on the moon was one of those. So uh, Apollo 11, a, a huge accomplishment, number one, because America finally was first in the space race for the first time, basically in the entirety of the space race and inevitably came from behind as the underdog to then win the race to space and to the moon. So, and then that made it a completely different world after that happened. And it's very interesting because, uh, really what brought this whole thought in my mind to, to even bring it up this week was the, uh, the constant showing of Apollo 13 on uh, TV this week because number one, it's just an awesome movie. And, uh, you know, it's one of those movies that you watch and 
you know, you, you always have a, a bunch of questions like, how do you, how would you do that? You know, when they're getting sick, um, you know, all the different things like that one scene where they have to fire the engines blind, right? They can't turn on the navigation systems because they're afraid that if they turn on the power too soon, uh, they might not have power for landing. So they have to do it without any guidance or navigation. So they have to find one fixed point in space and everyone in the control room is, is trying, papers are flying and everyone's trying to figure out, we just need to give them one, one reference point. You know, how are we going to do that? We can't do that with the guidance systems. And then <laughs> Jim Lovell looks outside and he's like, well, you know, as long as I can keep the moon in, in the eyepiece here, uh, this, the earth in the eyepiece, then that's my point of reference. You know, in 3D space, you, you need at least one point of reference to then say, I am below it or above it or to the right, to the left, you know, uh, what is my distance from it? You know, all those different things, your, your coordinates in X, Y, Z, uh, or let me see, I, J, K, depending on what coordinate system you're actually in. Uh, it's guys, navigation control in 3D space is, is one of those classes that's going to make your brain hurt tremendously, but it's, it's so important because without it, we, we can't do anything. You're, you're in a dark room that has no walls and it goes on forever. And you, not only that, there's no floor or ceiling. Terrifying. So when you see that scene in Apollo 13, where they have to fly blind, they have to, they have to shoot, they have to ignite the boosters to get themselves at the proper speed to get to make sure that they land properly. You know, I think they were trying to say uh, at the scale, you know, the old broadcast in the movie was, you know, they have to, you know, if this was the Earth and this was the moon, uh, they would have to hit a, uh, and they would place 17 feet apart or whatever the broadcast said. They would have to hit a, a corridor, basically, that was no thicker than this sheet of paper. You know, it's just... Uh, basically impossible, but, uh, you know, they did just enough to get home, solved enough problems to stay alive, you know, and that's, that's, that's one of the beautiful things that the first 50 years of space history has shown us is, and it's a line from the Martian, if you solve enough problems, you get to go home, you know, and Apollo 13 was, was no different than that. Apollo 13 was, uh, the, a, 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 a grand failure, you know, like, uh, they, they, a successful failure, I think was actually the line they used in the movie. And it showed that humans can do anything, even, even given, uh, improbable odds, essentially a death sentence. We were able to work the problems because we had enough groundwork done ahead of time so that when we found ourselves in a situation like we did with Apollo 13, where two years earlier, you know, during the progress of a rocket being made inside of an oxygen tank, uh, you know, burst, you know, it's just like, oh my God, it's like, you know, a malfunction that was two years before ruined a mission further, you know, how do you prepare for that? You can't. So you have to just work the problem that you're given and get yourself home. Get, get, get 
the human beings we put up their home, get them safely back here. Because if they hadn't, arguably, would you have a space program today? It would have been very difficult to uh, change the momentum. I, st- I still have hope in, in humankind that we would have figured out a way. But uh, an Apollo 13 mission, you know, two missions after going to the moon, based on the movie and, and no actual real historical significance other than that, I would say it probably not... Uh, would it probably wouldn't have been good because even at Apollo, after Apollo twelve, going to Apollo thirteen, you know they had that scene of the politicians asking, you know, well, you know, why are we still funding? We've already been to the moon, you know, pshaw, you know, what are we gonna do? Why why are we paying all this money? Should we go to the moon anymore? You know, a, a failure at that scale, losing human life would not have been good for the space industry or just space history in general. Uh, we may not be at the point where we are today, but we, now we have a a booming private industry, a new space industry that's popping out of essentially nowhere thanks to, you know, the smart moves by, by you know, uh, NASA Administrator Bolden. Like, uh, it's... We, we, we are in a very, very good place for 2017, and there's a lot of things that are going to be happening in 2017. Uh, we'll get a lot more into those next week. We're going to be doing, you know, uh, uh, what's look for in 2017 episode next week. That'll be out uh, the day after New Year's. So January 2nd, that Monday, it'll be out. Let me check the date, make sure I'm correct. And I... Am boom sick okay, so <laughs> get really excited there. So, in closing, you know Apollo eight, the Earthrise image was something that's a historic piece of not only just human history but it's also Christmas history. You know, uh, spending Christmas in orbit around the moon is pretty incredible. I can't even imagine what, the, what that must have been like. Um, Apollo 11, historical moment in human history that really changed our whole perspective on what our position is in the universe, actually seeing the Earth from the vantage point of the moon, even from orbit, uh, spawned things like uh, the Environmental Protection Agency by Richard Nixon, nonetheless. So... Uh, just take that into perspective, uh, just how much of a change it did politically that we actually put an organization in charge of protecting the environment because of seeing the Earth from that vantage point. It's pretty incredible. And then Apollo 13 being the uh, really the point that pushed us past the edge of the plateau as far as what we are actually capable in going to space. You know, we had already done the impossible by going to the moon, and then we did the impossible by bringing our astronauts back from an almost certain death sentence at the time. So, really, I, I, I loved I loved just the whole human potential aspect of the whole thing, and I, I hope you enjoyed it too. So, that does it for 
this week's Today in Space. Thank you for listening. If you want to help support the podcast, you know, please make sure to go to our Amazon banner, our Amazon link that's in uh, every episode, and it's at the homepage at www.todayinspace.net forward slash home. And all you got to do is do your Amazon online shopping like you normally do. Just click this link right before you do. And what happens is it costs you nothing. You do your shopping shopping just like you usually do. And Amazon gives us a little bit of money for you shopping through them. So it's a great way to help spread the love. You know, I love doing these for you uh, every week and giving you guys uh, what I'm nerding out on space. And uh, if you also want to help support the podcast and myself, uh, please check out AG 3D Printing, which is my uh, personal business. It's a 3D printing service that we can help bring your ideas into reality. You know, we have a fleet of 3D printers here uh, to do a whole bunch of uh, different things to bring your ideas into reality, whether it's some kind of, you know, business proposal you're trying to do. Maybe it's some kind of product you've thought of and you're like, ah, I could never do that. How am I going to get a mold that costs like $10,000 to $100,000? You know, how do I even have the time? You know, I don't have the money to invest into a product. You can actually with 3D printing, you know, for hundreds of dollars, you can take a simple idea, put it on paper and actually get it in 3D in front of you and working like a real product before you even crack the bank. And you could also do anything for yourself. You know, if you've got gifts you want to give somebody, something really, really cool, something completely customized, you know, we can do all that. We also provide 3D design services, modeling services, 3D scanning services, and reverse engineering. So if you have something that uh, you want to help get recreated, uh, we can help you do that. So check us out at ag3d-printing.com and on Instagram at ag3dprinting if you're interested to find out what 3D printing is really like and to catch up on the products that we're doing. Uh, this week we had a crazy, crazy week of 3D printing. Uh, you know, it was the holiday season. I had a lot of orders to do last minute. I am currently writing a whole bunch of blog posts. So if you're interested in catching up on what I've been doing and all the different projects for AG3D printing, they're coming out. Um, so by the new year, we should have a whole bunch of blog posts, hopefully one before even the next episode. So check out uh, AG3D printing. And as always, everybody, thank you for listening. Spread love, spread science, and please go out there and be the best version of you that you can be, okay? Take a lesson from Carrie Fisher's life. Great, great life. And be unapologetically yourself, okay? Uh, go out there, do you, and we'll see you next week for another episode of Today in Space. See ya! See ya!